0: Worldwide. Today we have with us Pierre De Wolf, founder of ScrapingBee. Welcome to Indie Worldwide, Pierre. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you um, start us off by just kind of giving your own backstory and how ScrapingBee
1: got started? Yeah, sure. Uh, so actually uh, ScrapingBee, so it's a web scraping API and I co-funded it with uh, Kevin a lifelong friend of mine we met when we were 15 years old so it's been a while and uh we actually started just after failing bootstrapping a first saas that was a price monitoring tool aimed at e-commerce and a smaller small and medium size you know so people would use like shopify maybe dropshippers so that was our ID mm. and it failed like miserably for various reasons. And after nine months, we dropped the project and we were using a web scraping API to, to fetch the product information to do the price monitoring. And we were not really pleased with the product and we thought, okay, uh, I think we thought we could do better. So let's try it. So we try. And uh, it ended up working better than pressing bot, the previous SAS. And so this is how scraping like was born in our head uh to where, yeah, eighteen months ago. Where did that
0: initial idea for scraping
1: bee come from? So as I told you, we were uh so we were having hard time with the first SAS.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: pressing bot. Um We were not getting customers. Uh, we thought the product was okay, but the marketing was terrible and we didn't understand our audience and many, many issues with the product. Uh, but, uh, we were using a web scraping API while building it Mm -hmm. and we knew this product was successful. So we thought, okay, uh, we are developers. We have a, a small audience, uh, towards these developers actually Kevin had a, a blog, uh, specialized in uh, web scraping in Java. He wrote a book about it, uh, three years ago. So we thought, okay, maybe let's give us one last shot to build something together and let's build a web scraping API to see if we was can do better. Was there something
0: about the tool you were using that was falling short? Why did you think, oh, there is this scraping tool we're using, but we can build a better one.
1: Yeah. So as problem with the web scraping tool, we were using it was that it was quite slow, quite unreliable and very expensive. So those were the three points we thought we could have an edge against it. And also regarding, uh, acquisition, uh, they were very so i wouldn't say lazy but they weren't occupying the space a lot so we thought mm-hmm. we there were some room for us to to grow
0: when it came to I hope the that time to launch escaping, the question. VU, yes that makes sense um i'm curious about the the initial launch kind of what did you do like the traditional product hunt thing or How did you get the word out there in the beginning?
1: Yeah. So actually we had three months uh, to launch scraping B because when we, when we quit our job with Kevin, we said to ourselves, okay, after Mm -hmm. one year, we need to have something, not something that necessarily makes a lot of money, but something that has potential, Mm -hmm. you know, something that could work. So, we needed to act fast because we spent the first nine months working on that failed uh project pricing bot mm-hmm. and so we had t- three months left so we decided to build a landing page way before the product we actually used a uh, london uh, uh a tool mm-hmm. i love uh, to uh, so it's a landing page builder and uh kevin uh, sent uh, if I remember correctly, send the landing page, uh, to his audience from his blog saying, okay, we're building this web scraping API. It's going to be free in beta for one month. Do you want to, to test it? And we've had a couple of answers. Then we send it to to my uh, mailing list to pressing but mailing list, because we knew lots of people who were using our previous failed set knew quite a bit about web raping. Mm-hmm. So that's how we had this initial interest. And after it, we built the web scraping API in, I think, uh, three weeks. And we made it, um, so it was free at first for the beta, like to fix all the bugs. And after, yeah, I think three or four weeks, like we turned off the free plan and everyone had to pay. And we ended up having our first customers a few, few hours after that. So we were happy about it. Uh, so, and after this, this initial uh, building validation thing, we launched on product hunt uh, in August. We haven't thought a lot about it because at first we thought that a web scraping API wouldn't interest many people on product hunt. Because the UI was not fancy, there were no UI at all. It was, you know, an API, and it was like really niche. But uh, we launched it anyway, and we—it was a good launch. We had, uh, yeah, a few thousand visitors. We ended up being, I don't know, second, three or fourth product of the day. So it was a good source for initial traction.
0: When you converted those free users to paid users, did you collect their credit cards when they signed up for the beta, or did you come up with a? No, no,
1: no. We we didn't want to do that uh, first because we. It, it could be a good idea to do it, but we want we wanted to reduce the friction uh, to the the minimum, to talk to have as many users as possible to talk to. Mm. So what we did was, um, for the free beta, it was only for user we knew because people coming from mailing list, the uh, forum, uh, friends, developer friends and all, mm-hmm. so we gave them as many credits as they needed to understand how they would use the API, the kind of performance they would need, what we would need to focus on, on our side. So that was kind of a, yeah a free for all month, and after that we gave um, one one thousand free API call for everyone who subscribed, and uh, once you run out of credit, you need to to pay to use to continue using the API. That's how it works. And a thing we did that worked well uh, the first few months and. Uh, When you would uh, sign up, you would then be redirected to your dashboard. You would get your API key, some instruction on how to use the API. And then we would say, okay, so you, you're having 1,000 API credits for free. If you are willing to talk with us for 15 minutes, we'll give you 10,000. API credits for free. And it worked well. Because that way, many, many people were inclined to talk with us, and it would be people, um, who were willing to use the API. We needed the 10k credits. And surprisingly, we had very little abuse, like only one or two people only wanted to talk to get the free stuff and were not interested in giving feedback. So, yeah, that were the initial.
0: Um, when it comes to the pricing model, why did you decide to go with credits versus like a flat monthly rate or any other, um, possible model, pricing model you could have gone with?
1: Yeah. So actually credits, it, it would, we decided to go with credit to give us flexibility in terms of what other feature we would add to the API. So let's say we want. Add a feature that is much more expensive per call mm. from our side. How to easily re- reflect that in the current, uh, plan. The easier, the easiest solution we thought about was to use credits. So if you use this feature, it's one credit per API call. Mm-hmm. If you're using both advanced feature, it's 5, 10, 25 credits per API call. So it, it was to give us flexibility. For the future,
0: have there been features you've come out with now where you're able to take advantage of that dynamic pricing?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like for example, for Google, like we offer the ability like to to scrape Google search results. So instead of having HTML back, you get a whole formatted JSON with a you know like a URL, a rank, ads, and it costs uh, 25 credits per APA call instead of the initial one credit. So it allowed us like to, to introduce a feature, develop it. And we didn't have to change the whole billing logic in, a in the backend, which makes, which makes it easy to release a new thing.
0: Yeah, that's really smart. Um, a lot of times I guess people get locked into the, the tier safe setup or they want to make a change and it requires changing yeah. everything in order to make that work. But with your guys' model yeah. because it is API based, I guess this work probably works best with something like an API where each yeah, different area exactly, yeah. priced individually.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Did you um We also Oh go ahead. Yeah, no. Just uh, I just wanted to say that early on we knew that the first pricing would certainly not be the last. So we mm-hmm. haven't optimized a lot of things, but we tried to make as uh, a software with an easy-to-change plan and pricing. Mm-hmm. So that's one optimi- premature optimization we were willing to do to to be able to iterate fast on the pricing, the plans, and all.
0: Is that something you done with? Um, the pricing bot as well, or was that a new thing? Let's uh,
1: so with pricing, bot, so actually the pricing, um, we haven't changed the pricing a lot because well, first we didn't have enough customers to make mm. insightful <laughs> decision mm-hmm. regarding it. So it, it wouldn't have made any sense. Uh, but we noticed when we had to tweak things with pricing, bot mm-hmm. that it was a pain and this is. What made us do things this way with scraping, be agile, rewarding pricing Mm. at first. Um, why do you
0: think pricing bot failed so hard?
1: Was. Yeah. So for many reasons, but if we could, if I had to pick one, Mm -hmm. it would be because we didn't understand the market. Mm. We knew nothing about e-commerce, Kevin and I. We were eager to learn, but we didn't speak the same language, we didn't hang around in the same space, in the same website forums. Mm-hmm. Uh we didn't know what it was like to have an e-commerce website, uh what was hard, what was easy, uh, how important price monitoring was. It meant when we had e-commerce owner on the phone, we have trouble we had trouble uh, selling value. We could explain the feature. Okay. Price monitoring, uh, this is what we do. Like if your competitor, uh, decreases prices, you, you'll know if he incre- increases prices, you'll know, you know, feature, mm-hmm. feature wise, uh, we were able to explain our product, but value wise, we were not because pricing and e-commerce mm-hmm. is a difficult subject, a uh, very competitive. And, uh, I think this is why we fail. We didn't understand the market our audience.
0: Do you think you could have launched scraping B in day one of your, your year long challenge, or did you need the pricing bot experience in order to figure out scraping B?
1: I think we wouldn't have thought of it because we, we didn't know how important it was to understand your audience, your market. Mm -hmm. So retrospectively, I don't think we would have thought of it, uh, and for us, Pricing Bot, it was a perfect idea. Like mm-hmm. we we were not certain to succeed, but we thought, okay, if we fail, it will be because we we have problem building the product. That would be the risk for us. Because actually before building Pricing Bot, we built a side project which was a price monitoring tool on Chrome, an extension, where you would mm-hmm. add the product you want to buy. And you will receive an email as soon as the price decreases. It would work on every website and all. A little bit like, I don't know if you know, KMO, 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 which is mm-hmm. a famous uh, Amazon price tracking website. So it would be something like that for every website. And we noticed so, so it was free, and it was just a site project, nothing serious about it. But we noticed that people would add thousands of products. And when investigating, we discovered that those people were actually e-commerce owners that were monitoring the price of their competitors. And we thought, okay, well, we have a 1 million business ID right here. We just have to build it. So we were confident it would work, but we were wrong.
0: (laughs) But it's good. At least you can look back and say, Hey. We got scraping B out of it. It wasn't totally nine months wasted. We learned something.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, I I don't think we, we regret anything. regarding pricing, but we think we quit at the right time. Mm. We've seen so many people like hanging to the wrong type of software or ID for like three, four years. Yeah. So we, no. We don't regret it.
0: I'm, I think nine months still falls in the box of falling fast and, and learning and getting back up and going it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you you, you also have people who, who have hard time the first one year, two year, and after that, it just skyrocket. Mm. I think if you look at the convert kit uh, revenue uh, charts on a uh, open startup, you'll see that the first two years. It was not that bright, and then it was huge. So, yeah, I guess we'll never know. But,
0: yeah, yeah, it seems from at least from an outsider expect perspective looking into something like ConvertKit, it seems like they they're still trying different ideas throughout. Like they're sticking with the same brand, but yeah. they're testing different business models they're testing different products under that brand so it's not necessarily the product that they started with that first year that eventually succeeds even though it's still called yeah. Kit. it might not be the same product at all i think that's part of the yeah, like, no, I, three year overnight success stories it seems like a common thread they eventually do a hard yeah, pivot you're
1: you're totally right and with pricing but we dropped it because We ran out of ideas. Like Mm. we didn't know what to do next. Like we were, uh, yeah, kind of, we were demotivated a bit, Mm -hmm. but mostly importantly, we didn't know what to do. Anything we do it, we didn't manage to move the needle one way or another. Mm -hmm. It's like, so yeah, you're right with ConvertKit, like they tried many things, but we. We run out of things to try. So this is why we, we ditched it.
0: All right. So now we're in, I guess the end of August product Hunt has launched. You have initial users. How are you driving growth after that? How is scraping B continuing to grow?
1: So actually we decided, uh, so we haven't had a, we, had a, we didn't have a lot of uh, money. So, uh, mm-hmm. beta acquisition was out of question. And because uh, Kevin uh, had built a successful blog on web scraping and I had a, a small blog on tech that had a bit of traffic. We knew a bit on how to get um, content, uh, how to make content work for a tech product. So we knew what to write, what kind of content works, where to post it and uh, how to rank on Google. So we decided to do content from day one. And in the hackers was, was also good because, so we've been hanging around in, in the that come for the first year building pricing, bot, And we noticed that we had a lot of visits and, uh, people, uh, not necessarily interested in, um, using the product, but, uh, we would maybe spread the words around. And so it adds up little by little. So at first mm. it was content. And, uh, indie hackers and, uh, yeah, that was it. So I guess my final so, question
0: is how, how do you make content work? How do you rank on Google? Where should people be posting?
1: Yeah. So what I say for, let's say you, you have built your product and uh, your blog is empty. Mm-hmm. What I do is like build it's called the skyscraper technique in SEO. It's like the idea is that. When you're in a city, you only uh, notice the highest skyscraper. Mm-hmm. Here, the skyscraper would be your content, your post. And the idea is like you pick a topic and you're trying to write the best possible post on this topic. What works well is a topic that helps people. And what works ve- very well is a topic that helps Beginners, because in any area you want to talk about, you have, by definition, a lot of beginners. Mm. And at least it's true in tech, you know, in dev, like lots of people are trying to code and all. So we thought, okay, let's teach web scraping. And so we have written uh, two or three pieces of content, and we spent a lot of time writing them, like maybe. 20 hours. Like, we carefully crafted it. It was not uh, stuffed with SEO. It was not keyword optimized. It was just content. It was not even conversion optimized. We wouldn't stuff scraping be in it. The idea would be to spread the word that we're building a web scraping API. And we know a lot about web scraping. And we are able to teach you web scraping if you go on our blog. And it worked because. When you write this kind of content, if you post it, it tends to rank organically because people will notice that it's high quality. They will share it on uh, Twitter, Facebook. It's also content that is easy to syndicate. Uh, So on a dev.to, dev.to or um, uh, Ashnod is the other one. Uh, So that's a way to do it. You can also share it on uh, Reddit. Reddit can be, it can backfire easily if you're trying to, to self promote too much. But Mm -hmm. if you're, um, honest about your attention, what I'd say was like, okay, uh, I'm Pierre. Uh, I failed last year with bot. I built this web scraping API and, uh, we have written those guides to learn web scraping. Uh, please tell me what would you like to learn next? You know, be honest. And, uh, and it mm-hmm. worked well, we had, we had a ton of fun on Reddit and what's good is like, if you rank on Reddit, you will automatically get backlinks from lots of websites that aggregate Reddit top posts. So it's an easy way to start. And, uh, that's how we did it first. Like just build good content and spread the word.
0: Where on Reddit do you post, Reddit is a big
1: place. Uh, so the big place it's, uh, well, learn programming, yeah. it's a big place and it's actually a place which is more open to self-promotion. So if your content is good, they will allow it, but you can not directly post your link, mm-hmm. like, um, be polite, you know, write a short introduction. What your post will teach to other people and then, uh, put your thing. Uh, programming is cool. And then you all, of the, all those, um, language specific subreddits: Python, Java, JavaScript, mm. uh, Ruby. So yeah. web scraping Makes sense. That one would be super targeted.
0: Um, so it, I was checking out your website and it looked like you eventually were able to exit pr- price and by by selling it.
1: Yeah. So, oh, um, what
0: did that uh, so actually,
1: like? yeah. So the idea was like, so we ran out of money. Uh, we didn't have many customers who we were doing like $600 MR, MRR, but we were ranking very well on, um, some interesting keywords, uh, such as price monitoring, which is a mm. very expensive keyword to rank on. So we had qualified traffic. So we knew we had something to sell. So actually, I just uh, send a LinkedIn email to the CEOs of three competitors of PricingBot, and I told them, "Okay, we built PricingBot, we failed, but we have good traffic. Uh, I can uh, send you a read-only invite to our Google Analytics and uh, Google Search Console, so you can see it by yourself. Would you be interested in uh, buying us?" And uh, two of them say yes, and, uh, and uh, the deal ended up being done with one of them. It was like Misha from uh, Pricing, who has a price monitoring tool uh, in Serbia, uh, a successful one, mm-hmm. someone who managed to make it work. And uh, they were targeting actually uh, enterprise customers, mm-hmm. so very big customers. And I think this is part of the reason Pricing bots fail we were targeting the wrong kind of customers, but that's another topic. And so uh, the deal was actually fast. Like uh, Misha, so we didn't know each other and he just wanted to be sure that we were serious, that we were not trying to rob him, that the traffic was um, not um, the product of Black Hat SEO Mm stuff. And uh, once he was assured that it was not the case, And by the way, it was not like, it was pure organic uh, traffic. Uh, we quickly agreed on a price and, uh, I, I fly to, to Serbia, to Belgrade. And, uh, I sold the product. Like I gave them all the access, all the, the, the email address and all it was enough for us to to stay alive a few months for scraping b to, to have time to, to start. So, so it was a good, good timing.
0: Um, and that wasn't your first, uh, acquisition either. You also sold shop to list, is that right?
1: Yeah. Well, shop to list yeah, we sold it, but like, it was a very, a micro acquisition, like mm. we sold it to, to a web development agency in, um, in Thailand, I think. Mm-hmm. So it it was fun because that was the first time Kevin and I would sold code we were building uh, code mm-hmm. we we wrote be beside our job I meant so that was fun but um yeah calling it an acquisition maybe an overstatement I should change that okay I don't know where did you see that uh, I think it just said like exited or sold or something on your website.
0: It's a. Tech, okay,
1: okay. <laughs> I think I think that, that yeah, counts as like it's...
0: if you sold it for a dollar, it was acquired. Yeah, I think there's nothing dishonest about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It 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 was acquired for less than five thousand dollars. So, it, mm-hmm. and it was for the two of us. So definitely not a life changing amount of money, but
0: right.
1: it was fun to do. So. Gotcha.
0: So the pricing bot sale was a bit more serious and actually gave you some some wiggle room. For the, yeah, yeah, the, the price. yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. Were you, Fair when enough. you build one of these products, are you thinking about making it sellable at some point from the beginning, or is it only when it comes to the end, you think about, okay, how do I package this up so that it can be sold neatly?
1: Uh, for pricing, but we, we haven't thought about it. Mm-hmm. Like the first goal was to, to get a sell, to make enough money to pay Kevin and I Uh, a decent salary so we don't have to work for uh, someone else again Mm -hmm. that was the first goal and it was just at the end we were like okay uh, what is pricing but worth Uh, we were not we didn't think we would be able to sell it that much but um i wanted to try it like okay we we have nothing to lose let's just ask them if the traffic would interest them. Mm-hmm. So no it was just uh we we hadn't thought about it. And actually uh it was simple because we didn't have any customers. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you have customers, then the paperworks begin to be much heavier. And how are you going to transfer the customer from the old to the new mm-hmm. uh to the acquirer? Uh what about the source code? Uh are you going to maintain it? Should you explain it to the acquirer? Mm-hmm. And because they were, they were actually buying a blog, you know, mm-hmm. they acquired our blog, so, and domain name, so it was a, an easy sale. So, so they, they weren't interested yeah.
0: in the software. They were interested in the traffic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Their, their software, their software was much more advanced than ours. They were doing crazy stuff mm-hmm. that we, we couldn't dream doing. So no, they didn't care.
0: Um, so if we could go back to like SEO and stuff for a bit, what are some of the, like the, I guess, starting with the basics of what a lot of people, when they post like a blog, just totally miss on that you guys consider like must do.
1: Um, so thinking about distribution is important, like you should spend as much time distributing your content as you spend writing it. Mm -hmm. Second thing is thinking on a way to reuse the content you create. Example, uh, for our first big blog post, it was how to do web scraping without getting blocked. It was a very long blog post, uh, 15 minutes read, maybe 4,000 words, but we're able to cut pieces of it and reuse it, for example, on Cora. Mm-hmm. So example, uh, web scraping without getting blocked. Okay, you have to change your user agent, okay? So uh, what do you need to know about user agents, the most famous one, blah, blah, blah. And this piece of content, you can reuse it if someone asks, okay, how to change user agent? or uh, what headers are important you know that kind of thing and uh, actually so we did it on a basic level but actually i was saying we were doing it on a basic level and some people take it to the next step i'm thinking so arvid call is doing it very well like he's writing a blog post it's becoming a podcast and also some tweets and some people also reuse some parts of the content on LinkedIn and then, um, yeah, um, uh, YouTube videos, and then the YouTube video, you cut it in small pieces and it ended up being a story on Instagram, for example, the whole idea is like you spend time crafting content and then you, you chop it by pieces and redistribute it uh, here and there it is very useful and I think it really something people should do. Mm. So for us, it was a blog post, Korra, tweets, and an email. That's the way we reuse content, but this is something But you can take it to the next level. And um, uh, so, yeah, that's the two things distribution and reusing content. Mm. What is the next level? So the next level was like, um, as I told you, like doing a podcast, a YouTube yeah. videos, uh, Instagram everywhere. story. So basically, yeah, oh. using all the mediums, but with this single piece of content. And then all those content, up, mm-hmm. you packet it into an ebook and you sell it for free and it becomes a lead magnet. It's like reusing content should always be sitting somewhere in your head, like, how oh, can I reuse the content? I spend time or money, uh, writing, mm. creating, um,
0: how do you balance creating content with like developing the actual service and everything else you have to do with the business? How does your time break down?
1: So at first, uh, it was easy. Like we built the API, it worked and we were like, okay, until we get maybe 20 customers. Let's only do acquisition, acquisition, acquisition. Mm-hmm. Let's fix the bug. Let's, um, improve, uh, based on feedback, but let's not create new features
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just acquisition. So at first it was like 80% of our time. And, um, and now it's like, I, I'd say 50 50. So actually Kevin is doing most of the content and acquisition part. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing the software, but, uh, depending on the phase we are in, uh, I help also writing some content. So actually right now, uh, we're, uh, I'm helping writing some content with Kevin. So I'd say it's like more, more than half of your time of our time. We spend it on acquisition. I'd
0: like to dig into the tech side a little bit. Um maybe starting with what are like some common scraping tasks? Like who is there some tasks that are like 60% of your customers for example or people using your follow of uh, stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh so actually no, there is not one task that represents 60% of our usage. Mm-hmm. And it's actually an issue because Early on, we wanted to know if we could uh, like segment our users to find a niche, a very receptive niche, to to web scraping, and a, we haven't, because every usage is different. So a couple of use cases. So the biggest one is a wide use case is like data aggregation. So people, for various reasons, mm-hmm. are like fetching data from the internet. So let's say. Uh, realtor price, uh, e commerce product page, uh, social profile page, and then they process it, aggregate it on their end. Mm-hmm. And on their end, they're usually selling it to their end user. So I don't know if you're a enge- uh, social media agency, you know, you could use scraping bees to scrape Instagram profile. Uh, for example, uh, second use case, uh, is a marketing actually lead generation. Mm -hmm. A third use case is, uh, some people use it. Some SEO agency use our service to track a mention of a topic here and there to monitor ranking on Google and to monitor a 404 know that dead, dead links to some particular page. So it's also, um, a use case we see, uh, quite often. And, uh, yeah, so I'd say that's the three biggest one
0: is one of those like much harder to implement on your end than the others.
1: Um, not really, not really. Uh, Instagram can be tricky, especially because. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few months ago, they really doubled down on, uh, reducing rip scraping, but a rule of thumb is like the biggest, the website, the easiest it is to web scrape. Mm. Because for example, Google, they have so much, uh, requests, like, I don't think they care that much about web scraping. Same goes for Amazon and especially for e-commerce, the last thing you want is block a real user from going to your product page. That would be a net loss of your revenue. So it's not that hard to do on our end. What is hard is to do it at scale Mm. and to ensure that everything is working uh, every time uh, with a low latency, that you're not getting blocked. Um, uh, Yeah, this is the hard part. So what are the things that you have to do
0: as a web scraper in order to like stay on the good side of these websites or or not get, um, flagged right away?
1: Yeah. So there is a couple of things. So obviously I can tell everything,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but, um, no yeah. So basically when you web scrape, there's like two things to take care on is like, um, tell the website you're scraping that you're a real browser. So there is many ways to do it. Uh, one way to do it is like to tweet your headers. Another way to do it is use, is to use, uh, Atlas Chrome, you know, mm-hmm. so. You request a website and the website thinks you're using a real browser. So that's one part of the story. The other part of the story is to hide your true identity by using proxies. Mm. And it's actually using proxies is interesting because there there are all kinds of proxies out there and you got to be sure you're using the right kind with the right website otherwise you'll get blocked or it will be slow or it will be expensive so that's the two main things to do when you're doing a, a web scraping api and again like if you had to do it for i don't know one million requests a month, it wouldn't be that hard. The hard part comes from uh doing it uh at scale.
0: how do you um do the proxy thing? how do you figure out what are the right proxies for what service and do you spin up your own proxy services or are you using like other
1: paid services uh we do both we do both um we we have um uh, servers on, uh, uh, various providers all around the world that mm-hmm. were, uh, with, a uh, proxies on both. And, um, and then, uh, we source continuously, uh, new providers. We also have some, um, partnership with some, uh, how to say it, like, with some industry actors. Mm-hmm. Like we have some partnership to, to rent some of their proxies and all of this mixed together allowed us to have a very reliable infrastructure.
0: Yeah. The thing with scraping is it's so dynamic. It's like thing things break all the time. All the time. Yeah. And you have to keep.
1: All keep the updating. time. Yeah. And this is what we're doing. Actually, what we sell to people is like, we take care of all the boring things about what's scraping, like sourcing the right proxy providers. Uh setting up your own, uh, Chromedless fleet and, uh, fixing, uh, the website. As soon as they block you. like we do it, you don't have to take care of it. You send us a URL, you'll get back HTML, no matter what. Mm.
0: Is there like, what's the ultimate fallback? I guess if like you're really having trouble getting a certain page downloaded, is it spin up? a full, like Chrome uh, browser and download it. <laughs> uh,
1: so I mean, the ultimate thing would be to have a real, um, a real computer, open internet explorer, go to his page, uh, mm-hmm. uh right click, copy, paste, mm-hmm. send back the response. That would be the ultimate answer. And, uh, mm-hmm. so what we're trying to do is to, to get as close as this, as the last resort, but no, we're not paying hundreds of people somewhere in the world for doing this, but, uh, the, yeah, yeah the, the end game would be, would be this, a robot doing it. Do you
0: do the scraping? Maybe of button the, dynamics. Do you process the HTML as well? Or do you just send an HTML result and then your users are processing it?
1: uh we're beginning to process the html so we have an instagram api and a google api that process the html mm-hmm. and that will return you formatted uh, json data and uh, we we're working on a new tool and feature that will uh, process the html yes
0: because well, it seems like that's the natural next step for most scraping is you get the html and then you need to turn that into something
1: usable. Exactly. You're right. Like, web scraping is just a tool, like no one is interested in HTML. Mm -hmm. And the idea is like from this, what can you do to, to make something much more, uh, that's worth more, that delivers more value. So it's actually something we're talking about a lot uh with Kevin Mm -hmm. so we have several ideas on how to do it and uh it's there's things we're going to launch this year to that will tackle this getting more value out of web scraping
0: yeah I guess that would make sense to me like the way you're doing it start with like the Google the Instagram Amazon Facebook the ones that are big and everybody wants a piece of exactly exactly are you thinking about doing something more generic where they can like click and point the data they want out of a website
1: and then get that via your api uh we thought about it visual web scraping that's something we were thinking about there is just so many things to do and there is just kevin and i yeah and so with this comes every time we have some idea it's like okay uh can we do it should we do it how much would it cost, mm-hmm. you know, and so for everything you mention, it's actually something we're considering, but, um, yeah, mm-hmm. we, you have to do some arbitrage and we, because we don't want to, to hire, uh, for now, we, we're not sure yet, but visual web scraping is something very interesting because for sure, uh, many of the people go to scraping B. After reading our blog post and they're like, okay, I want to do web scraping, but I don't know how to code. And, uh, I'd love to use a visual web scraping tool. So, and there are web scraping, visual web scraping tool out there. Very successful. That works very well. Uh, I'm thinking about, I think it's called web scraper.io. Uh, I think they're very big. So there is definitely room for this space. So, yeah, we're thinking about it.
0: it. Definitely seems to like the biggest customer for web scrapers is not programmers. It's like the marketers and like the data analytics people and the e-commerce people potentially. It's, like It seems to me like there's a lot more of them and they all have data scraping tasks that they're trying to do.
1: So, uh, I think you're right in a sense that there are a lot more of them, but are they the biggest customer? or the biggest user in web scraping, I don't know, because I don't see someone using a visual web scraping tool if they need to web scrape 100 million pages a month.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it depends on how you're looking at the customer. I'm guessing like by number of bodies, there's yeah. more marketers trying to do web scraping, but by number of requests, programmers yeah. win at scale. But could the marketers catch yeah. up if they knew how to work at scale, I guess?
1: Yeah, so that's um, uh, actually it's an open question we're having right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's actually very interesting. Like, who should we target? Like, uh marketers who would be a lot, and we know like lots of people are asking us, okay, how to to extract the price of in this page or the so the reviews on a TripAdvisor. And uh it would be nice to just show show them the product, you know, point and click. Plus the no code ecosystem is uh growing uh faster than ever. And it would really fit very well in this, I think. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah, the question is are those people uh willing to spend uh twenty hundred, two hundred, five hundred dollars per month using your product? Or are they just willing to spend $10 a month? That's an open question. True. We haven't had the answer yet. And, um, uh, yeah. Maybe you can start with the ones there where you're already
0: processing the HTML into JSON and then get like a visual API for like scraping specifically Google or like specifically Facebook.
1: Yeah. That's, um, that could be interesting. I think it. If we go the visual web scraping route, we want, we would like to do something very polished because by definition, people who use visual web scraping tool, they don't know how to code. Yeah. So I think they would be very receptive to a nice UI, um, uh, discoverable with feedback and all like perfect fancy, the perfect thing. And it takes time. It's hard to make a usable tool. And, um, an UI and it's a skill we don't really have given an I, mm-hmm. we would be able to make something like uh, uh, usable, but not wow. At least not if we don't spend time learning uh, UI, which I think is very interesting. But at some point, you have to, have to ask yourself: Okay, um, should I spend time learning it and doing it myself, or should I hire an experience? UI developers. So those are all questions Kevin and I are discussing regularly about the subject.
0: Yeah, You have the risk to the same thing that happened with pricing, bot, where you move outside of the customers that, you know, personally, like in a, in, in a, like, um, yeah. personal way, and then you extend True. yourself too far. Whereas if there's still a lot of room to grow in your current market, like programmers, web scraping, which there certainly is. Maybe just stay focused on that until yeah. you <laughs> reach the boundaries of that market before you try to expand
1: No, uh, yeah, you, are right. I mean, uh, it's a fear, uh, we have because, okay, let's talk real numbers, but let's say building the web scraping tool costs, uh, I don't know, let's say, uh, five K dollars and mm-hmm. take us, uh, five months. The, the question is, okay. If we had spent those five months doing things that we know works with the web scraping API, API, it would probably be better for the company. And it's hard because like when you're building something, you, you tend to be attracted to new things. Like, yeah, I want to build a visual web scraping tool. I want this product and dopamine hit. I want to talk about this product mm-hmm. on Twitter. I want to, to people say, wow, I love this product. But most of the time, um, maybe the boring stuff are the stuff to do, like not the fun stuff, because most yeah. of the time fun stuff or new stuff, and you'd be better off doing known stuff that you know works, meaning writing content, promoting it, posting it, reusing it and uh, updating your API documentation, which is not very sexy, but it works.
0: Yeah, I think the future I see for Scraping B is like when you have a really solid brand, I feel like in the world of Scraping. And it seems like it's still very early days in terms of like customers and revenue. Maybe Scraping B grows huge, and then you just start to acquire the the other pieces that you need to build like the the, the, the holistic Scraping service that does everything, just by the other players. Yeah, may by webscraper.io or, or simple scraper, whoever.
1: <laughs> well, I wish <laughs> one day uh, I'd be able to buy webscraper.io, but um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a possibility. That's a possibility.
0: What's the future you want out of scraping be like? What's next for? What's the, the immediate next steps, and what's like five years from now?
1: So the immediate next next step is to reach two hundred k. ARR, Mm -hmm. it's actually not a random number, but uh, because when Kevin and I were employed, uh, we were uh, paid approximately, let's say, 50K dollars by our company, Mm -hmm. meaning uh, with tax and all in France, we were costing our company 100K dollars each. So it meant that Kevin and I, when we were employed, we were creating... At least two hundred k dollars value for our company, mm. uh, assuming they didn't lose money on us, and uh, I know that I'd be happy to say, okay the tool I'm building is as useful as the thing I was doing when I was employed, so it might be weird, but that's a big goal for me, like to reach this set to think, okay uh, we're we did." something as useful as we were doing when we were employed. Yeah. So that's the in- initial uh, goal. And after it with Kevin, we want to, to stay as lean as possible. I think to see how far we can go just the two of us and, um, just played by ears, years, like see uh, what opportunity we have in terms of product, um, Maybe we will meet uh, an awesome uh, UI designer and um, that we will want to work with us on a visual tool. pool. Um, maybe a customer will have a requirement that we that will give us ID for something else. and we have also things we want to test. So out of those tests and experiments we'll decide what to build next.
0: Is there a point at which um, you thought about like, Hey, if this happens, if we get this amount of overwhelmed, we'll start thinking about hiring people? Or is it just a bridge you'll cross
1: Uh, one day? (laughs) um, That's a good question. Actually, we we talked extensively with Kevin uh, two days ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what we don't want to do is uh, hiring people in advance, Mm -hmm. like um, like we would hire people we know we need and not hire people we will need at some point in time. Yeah. And something we both want is to stay a small team for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our first, uh, hiring, uh, will probably be a support person, uh, probably part time at first, but, uh, that's, that's how it looks like we're spending more and more time on support, mm-hmm. and at first, we were learning a ton doing it, but at some point uh you ended up doing the same thing over and over again, and it takes time, you lose focus because we were not comfortable uh letting people hanging there in the chat not and so yeah, the, the first step will probably be a support person. And after that it's open. So we, with getting the way we work is like, okay, what do we want to do the next three months and then, or the next two months, and then we do this, we analyze the results, okay, what to do next? Like we don't have the, uh, a one year view of what we want to do. We have a clear view of what we will do from now to, to January. And mm-hmm. after that, we will see how it goes. What's your?
0: um, mm, What's your dream? I guess? Where would you like, um, looking back five years from now? Like, what have you accomplished? I guess you're at 200,000. What's what's level two? If that's level one, what's what's after that? so
1: two hundred k is definitely level one,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and after that, I mean uh, it's a good question so five years from now, I have no idea where I want to be, like I just don't know, but maybe one year from now, I'd like scraping me to have uh to have grown uh quite a bit uh, I'd love to have scraping be still alive like. It would be a success, like considering COVID and all. It would be great if we're still here and making money. And yeah, it's a a hard question. Like, I don't have this clear view of ideal outcome, like because there are so many possibilities, as you said, like Mm -hmm. maybe we, we acquire some tool that works well, maybe we get acquired, maybe we hire some people uh maybe maybe it just doesn't work anymore. Maybe we we're plateauing for one year, we have trouble uh moving the needle again. So we tend not to to try to to think too much about the next five years and just go as far as possible.
0: I think there's something to be said too for keeping goals short term enough that they're actionable. Like if Five turn, five years is cloudy, like set something one year, it makes it feel like something you can get to and you can actually move faster.
1: Yeah. Um, so
0: uh, yeah, we're getting close yeah. to our time here. Our very last question. Do you have any book recommendations for the indie hackers out there?
1: So actually a book recommendation. I don't see that often is called uh, Hello Startup. So I don't remember. The author name uh, but yeah hello startup is for me the perfect book for indie hackers, especially indie hackers that haven't had a job in a big or in a company before, because there are lots of unknown uh, like you, you between between the the code camp or university or whatever you're using to learn code and uh how to build software product in a real company. There is a wide gap and this book, this book helped me a lot. Understanding what it meant building a software fast and for production and for real end users. So that's the one I would recommend. And it's like super full of tips, super actionable. So yeah, definitely a must read. Awesome.
0: Um, yeah, thank you again so much for, for coming here and, and talking about um, your journey and sharing your tips. Um, this was a really good conversation. Thank you very much. Cool. Yeah, thank you, Pierre. Was great. Have a good one. Have a good one.